Thanks for tuning into the No More, Do More podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all of the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, let's get started. Yeah, yeah. we are live, eh? Ah, yeah, we are live. Huh? Uh, live on location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the No More podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Kabingu. And today we have a very illustrious guest. I already learned your word, music. Illustrious mm-hmm. guest. Um, he calls himself Mr. Ken from Kenya. And I know mostly we've been having a lot of tech guests. So for once, Nika feel, let's do something different. Let's get someone in uh, the agricultural field, Ayang guy yeah. in the agricultural field and i'm going to let him introduce himself welcome ah uh, uh, thank you kelvin for hosting me um i'll introduce myself once again i'm kenneth chepkon he calls me, people call me kenneth from kenya uh i hope we'll get another chance to speak about that so i'm vice chairman at kenarava group which is an agribusiness company here in kenya doing um a lot of work with youth and women Youth and women. Yes. So um, before we get to the Ken Arava stuff and any, yes. I want to know who's who's um, Chepkonyi before all that. Yes. I know people don't like this question of describe yourself, uh, yeah. but can you tell us a bit about yourself other than the Ken Arava part? Uh, yeah. So um, let me say I was raised as a village boy uh, down um, in Nandi County in a very green village. I had never been to a desert before. So um I only I first made it to Nairobi in university basically. Hey. Yes. Okay. So I I can say I was I was more of a rural guy than Didn't do the school trips to Nairobi museum. I, I I came to Nairobi only once and that was in primary school <laughs> and we think we were going for drama festivals. <laughs> so that was the only time I I I actually saw a 10 story building. Uh, other than that um, the only time i was able to interact with uh, you know live in nairobi it was after after high school and you know starting off with campus at jquat basically mm. yeah and w- what's the difference like you growing up in rural and coming to nairobi there are many misconceptions things people believe about being in nairobi like what are the new Nairobi kona pesa so tu makitu nyumbani so what are the misconceptions and stuff you like learned when you came uh, first of all coming to Nairobi was a shock to me because i i, I thought life in Nairobi is uh, you know it's all about the glitz and the glam money flows into your pockets um, and you don't have to worry about things that rural folk worry about so it's until i came to nairobi that i realized you actually have to work twice as hard to stay alive in nairobi than than down there in the village but um i think the important part is that i changed in terms of uh, mentality the mentality mentality i had before coming to the city uh was different from what i have grown to you know subscribe to so um when you came to nairobi what did uh, what did you do in campus I studied animal health production and processing. Mm-hmm. Uh actually I was hoping to be a vet one day. Yeah. Yes. So that was your childhood dream. 
No, not at all. What did you Growing up, I wanted to be an astronaut. I had big dreams. <laughs> you literally wanted to shoot for the moon. <laughs> yes. I literally wanted to go to the moon. Yeah. Then uh, that interest changed. In, in high school, I started shifting towards the legal profession. Because I, I was this kid when I was in Kingereza. I had too much Kingereza for a village kid. Yeah. So um, I, I, I believed that I could, I could make a good lawyer. And I also possessed uh, important analytical skills. I used to love arguing. I would argue about everything. So by the time I was um, clearing high school, it dawned to me that, uh, that I needed to do more in terms of what I understood, understood about my environment. So then my father used to, um, has been in agriculture, uh, actually. He farmed, but he didn't succeed. So I figured I have to do something along the lines of agribusiness so that I, I may be able to, you know, improve what was not done, um, what he had not done, um, so to speak. So he kind of directed you to... Yes, exactly. Field. And specifically, he encouraged me to go the the vet direction because he figured that there was a there was um, a shortage of, of, you know, qualified vets in the country. In fact, most most people who, who practice, you know, um, animal treatment are not uh, qualified vets. Which, There's yeah, that yeah. problem, actually. Yeah, there was that thing of um, the government took away, like, the, those extension officers. Yes, the, yes. The villages. Yes. And... And quacks also, not forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They always do say, Yeah. 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 So some guys just working in an agrovet, mm. you know, interacting with those veterinary medicines. Yeah. And then soon they start treating animals. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was an actual problem. And it's it's not a common direction where I don't see many young people getting into the agricultural side. Yes. One I'd ask is was there any like like a backlash or ridicule from your friends because yes. I'm, I'm thinking in kenya mostly when people are getting out of high school it's yes hey, unatakuwa daktari, unatakuwa engineer, engineer law, yeah at, at a lawyer so yeah. i was thinking was it uh like first shift to becoming the dini the going to the agricultural route because i'm thinking you you might have been really attached to that lawyer bit yeah it so really was was there a lot of convincing for you to to go into the agricultural bit there was quite there was actually quite a lot of convincing to be done because uh first then it was not cool to be a farmer or to be in the agribusiness space and and the legal profession was still deemed as prestigious now the only thing that actually discouraged me from from following my passion that is uh, law um was because i realized i had to stick in school for very long you know, there's the four years. Then after that, uh, there's the, I think, is it two years or one year at the Kenya School of Law? Then after that, you need to, to you know, work in a law firm, pupillage basically, for another several months. So, Nikajambia, uh, I, will I, will I sit in school for too long and then take too long to start yeah. earning a living? Yeah. So that, that actually discouraged me from going that direction. Yeah, for... Yes. Um, <laughs> but... But I think uh, my father was a really strong force in terms of convincing me to consider agribusiness. Mm -hmm. Yes, because he thought there was a there was a need, there was a demand. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, you came to campus. Uh, was it? Uh, um, um, 
um, when you're studying, is the way we are taught agriculture in school something you think is ideal or is there something different you'd like uh, to be done in the way we teach agriculture in our campuses? I think um, the agriculture taught in our universities, they, they teach the science mostly mm-hmm. instead of the art. So the the practical aspect of, of agriculture is, does not come out strongly. Because I remember, uh, you know, spending long hours reading, reading a lot of uh, material on, uh, say, pathology. Um, there's parasitology. Those kinds, those kinds of of units. <laughs> so it's tons and tons of paperwork we are dealing with instead of uh, hanging out with animals or, or plants more than the more than the classroom. <laughs> so um, the the experience, I didn't really expect that it would be like that. I thought I would spend more time on the farm, you know, learning the art of um, growing. Yeah. Yes. And I remember I didn't ask, um, what what exactly do you study in animal health production and processing? So basically, animal health production and processing is, uh, those are three disciplines, I must say, because they, they can be taught separately when you think about it. So animal, animal health is really about uh, raising um raising animals in the right environment um to ensure that you are able to to derive economic benefit from from it tied to animal health is animal production which which focuses on the feeding and any other endeavor to ensure that you you are able to to ensure that your animals perform perform meaning if it's a horse it can you know the horse yeah, can so, can run fast yeah. win races and that kind of thing so there's the there's the welfare there's the welfare beat there's the um the feeding part so it's even how you accommodate them maintaining so that you know how best to get um, yes. what you need from that particular animal and not yeah exactly and not forgetting that you have to ensure that you are able to to realize um profit uh, considering that you 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 incurred production costs, so it's the whole it's the whole chain from it's essentially from farm to fork. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, then processing uh, processing is the value addition thing, and ensuring that you control post harvest losses. Yeah. So that's yes. the bit most most farmers in Kenya don't have a skill on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Post, so uh, in in fact, in Kenya, I think it stands at forty or sixty percent. It's crazy. 60%. I think it's 40. I'm not sure but yeah. I, I'll have to do some checking. Yeah. But it's some crazy figure, believe me. Mm. Yes. So um in school that's like the part where you're broadening your horizon. So after school, you did 4 years after school. Yes. So what is next? What happened next? So first I, of- I know before you st- you're starting to survive now. So yes. for a young guy who wants to get into agriculture, yes, has no capital, what was your next step? Ah, so, so first of all, my experiences in campus, like I said, they they defeated my expectation. So throughout the four years, I really didn't know what I'd do with a degree once I graduate. So um, in 2015, I, I clear campus. Then um, I couldn't get into farming, of course, because I, I, I was mostly conversant with the theoretical aspects of farming rather than the practical. Um, and remember, also farming needs some psychological preparation. You have to be ready to face the risk. It's risky. And you also have to be ready to, to you know, be patient about it. 
so uh, i really lacked on that and also the entrepreneurial side you need to you need to treat farming as a business for you to last so i didn't after campus i felt that i didn't have those skills the entrepreneurial skills i didn't have the patience and i also didn't have these uh, the frame of mind to allow me venture into agriculture maybe start a farm or something so the what did you do now now an opportunity came up um you see in the year 2015 Kenya and Israel partnered such that Israel would be training um young agricultural graduates from Kenya um you know they fly to Israel uh train for 11 months then they uh expectedly they would come back to Kenya and start farms or do something in the agribusiness space so uh when that opportunity came up i figured why don't i go to to israel also and see what those guys are doing over there so it was um let me say i really didn't have any other choice i was just going to israel because yeah, there were guys going yeah, to israel yeah, yeah, let's go. yeah. so it, it's a way of postponing problems i said maybe <laughs> yeah. it will be some kind of sabbatical leave i go and yeah. and figure out what i want to do with my life it's paid for <laughs> yes <and> yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i just wanted to so go it's just and, a, you got an opportunity like me just yeah, yeah and not forgetting that i would be able to to walk in jerusalem so <laughs> why not <laughs> if we go closer to god or the way forward yeah uh, you know walk the bible yeah. as they say it mm-hmm. yeah so I, i i i thought it was a good opportunity for me mm-hmm. yes so how the the program was what were you doing what was the program exactly so it's a it's a work study program and specifically you are attached to a farm for 11 months um running through the entire planting se- the, the entire farming season right from planting to harvest so you are able to 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 uh, to learn directly from the farmer how they operate and to also work physically you actually work physically um and understand how they are able to make the desert bloom because um in in that place where where i was attached it's called the arava region it's very dry it actually forms 60% of israel which is very dry uh just to gi- to give you perspective i think in the driest places in kenya you can maybe in turkana uh, let's say some of those places you you can drill 200 meters and find water mm-hmm. in the arava those guys have to drill 1500 meters 1500 is, yes that is 1.5 kilometers Yeah. I think along the way you might find oil instead of water. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> What? So um I was able to attach Now importantly I I lived in a in a settlement called the kibbutz. So for those people who have learned a little bit about Israel is that um during its early its early years um the 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 Jews formed settlements called kibbutzim. So they operated like a cooperative like a cooperative where different families would would combine resources farm and also market as as a unit. So I was able to live in that kind of environment and learn exactly how it works. So I I lived in Kibbutz Lotan and Center for for Creative Ecology. So um it's it's they have that kind of model. So they had uh dates as a kibbutz they they owned um a dates grove where i worked and they also worked part time in a in a dairy farm which had uh, 350 animals 
milking animals actually they were about 600 but 300 we would milk 350 producing about 10,000 liters of uh milk milk a day yes a lot and that's in the dry. desert yeah in the desert yeah so uh yudwanda you know the first shock i found when i i landed in in that kibbutz i saw frisians in a desert i know <laughs> i didn't expect to see that because you we all know that zebus and yeah, yeah i expected to see this kind of hardcore yeah. cows that we know so um after taking a close look i realized that uh, the kibbutz the has invested heavily in providing the environment that these animal these animals can survive so for example these cows these cows uh, would shower three times a day they take cold showers <laughs> the cow the cattle shed you'd find uh, large huge fans yeah. you know like this way spinning area. yeah exactly yeah. so it's a uh, it's a whole operation i'm telling you so there's that mindset of this is a business exactly not, i'm just farming because this is what i got my parents doing yeah yes o- what i really admired about them is that they don't stop at the problem mm-hmm. they have to find solutions mm-hmm. so in in the case of the um the dairy the dairy farming establishment they had they did not you know stop at the fact that you can't keep uh, those kind of cows in the desert they had to figure out how they can keep do it sustainably and profit because the only reason why they've been there for a while is because they're making profit yeah. um uh also yeah so that that, that was uh, the biggest lesson for me and, and importantly they uh that the, that region of israel is powered by solar mm. during the day mm. yes so at least they are able to to mitigate uh, the energy costs so that's and on the grape side then you need... ah, the the dates the dates <laughs> yeah so so with the dates um, they had about uh, 8000 date date trees i think it was more than that mm. and they would so you know dates you you harvest dates annually and here is the interesting part you only make money during the harvesting time when you sell the fruit so the whole so you year ask yourself on, yeah the whole year it's on your expense you're paying workers to take care of the trees and what not and what not but these kibbutz was able to organize themselves such that they are able to profit enough uh that they may be able to cover the production costs and still make money out of it and dates consume a lot of water mm-hmm. a full grown date date palm say a, a 30 20 year old date palm would consume a thousand liters of of, of water a day a during day. the summer a day a day <laughs> what exactly now here comes the other thing uh date palms were were, were irrigated using recycled water You see now that's that's where the recycled from uh, from you see wastewater mm-hmm. basically they would recycle the wastewater mm-hmm. and pump it back to the farms the, yes so it's not from the boreholes they were using borehole water where was the water coming from uh, okay the uh, f- first of all because of how expensive it is to drill water in, in Israel the government controls it mm-hmm. um and and uh, and okay there's also organizations such as the Jewish National Fund Jewish National Fund particularly has done amazing work on water management in Israel okay. so 
it has partnered with the government to you know create these uh, like rain rainwater harvest uh, systems mm-hmm. storage systems and those kind of things so with with the farmers themselves they and even the government encourages this they have to to utilize the minimum resource that they have water and so for the trees day trees they would be irrigated using water that was recycled so you see when for example when when you wash your dishes you know that's the kind of water we are talking about mm. it would be recycled and it would end up in the farms to feed you again and it's something i don't think uh, in kenya we think about because like recently with all that flooding yeah exactly yeah so one thing i've realized the the biggest difference i, I realized with farming in israel and kenya is really about how state agencies uh, and even people in agribusiness they they connect mm-hmm. and even research bodies so i think there's not much going on as far as uh, communication is concerned uh, here in kenya everyone is trying to do their own stuff yeah uh, instead of farmers are not even you know trying to learn from each other and whatnot instead yeah. they they would see the other party as competition i like that it's the kibbutz or Yeah the kibbutz is yeah, you see like how the, the kibbutz system, yeah, if people like in the rural areas come together yes so we are all planting maize yes let's find a way to sell this maize together yes Instead because of, if you are selling together you also you, there, there is some guarantee of of uh, of market that's for starters and also you are able to control prices in a big way yeah especially if it's if if this kind of uh, of of um, arrangement occurs at the national scale mm. yeah would not have these issues of of uh, market trends hurting farmers um which is yeah mostly that, i think that's and even that's farmers being shortchanged because yeah exactly yeah. by by brokers and yeah, yeah, yeah. middle middle persons brokers that really make more money yeah and yeah. the farmer remains poor yes So, so I learned a lot and and also you see um because of the kibbutz system they are also able to raise their children according to social values that mm. that are beneficial to the community it's like the nyumbakumi executed perfectly yes, yes exactly you you build each other socially economically yeah. spiritually as well mm. yeah because they they would have for them they would have a kibbutz synagogue where um residents would go to pray have they would have even they even have um a common dining place where every friday all the kibbutz families would meet in this dining in this dining area to eat together think about that right. now that's quality of life yeah. you see it's sustainable yeah you get to know your neighbors yes and in this kibbutz were you was it you um were you alone or Afri- other african guys yes. what kind of like um other people or other people from other places were there Ah that's an interesting question. So uh I'll, since I lived in Kibbutz Lotan I would speak specifically about how they operated. So they teach creative ecology which is a kind of uh, a kind of living system where you interact with your environment. You live with nature basically. You you actually learn from nature. So because of that they they were able to, they've been able to host a lot of students from all over the world you have africa south america north america as well um uh, several european countries the uk australia i think at any given time you'd find 
the entire world is represented in kibbutz lotang mm-hmm. so you see uh, in that in that kind of situation there would be cross cultural education as yeah, well yeah, yeah. So you find the kibbutz residents would learn from these visitors and the visitors would, would learn, learn from, from the kibbutz, the kibbutz residents. Yeah. So by the time these um these students would fly back to their countries, I believe they also learned something from Kenneth from Kenya. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. think we'll get to that. I think maybe it's because of um the cycling I used to do I used to ride like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love yeah. cycling. Mm-hmm. So um the the you know at the end of the training even for ourselves mm-hmm. we would fly back to our country our respective countries and everyone would be happy mm-hmm. the kibbutz residents would really learn a lot yeah that kibbutz system seems like a very interesting i think it's something we should try to implement yes yeah, yeah. we should try to implement it not just for the sake of agriculture and mm-hmm. food security but also uh, for the sake of our children you yeah, know. yeah yeah So was there something you learned from guys from other countries who are not like the Israelis? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um I think what what came out strongly was the aspect of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So I think before you considering the media attention that every other country receives, you you'd you'd develop a set of beliefs concerning uh, a person from you know hailing from another another country. So I'd meet some of these people and realize, "Oh, it's it's actually different um these people are not like this but like this because i've learned uh, directly from them and i think it was vice versa they would they would learn a lot from my i'll give you a, a clear example so some people used to wonder how how is it possible that that a kenyan would uh, would speak fluent english <laughs> so you know so, some of these guys yeah. they think <laughs> they, they think Africa Af- Africa is, yeah Africa is some jungle <laughs> with the trees people yeah. are just uh, you know harvesting trees hunting and gathering yeah, and walking around with loin clothes loin clothes and lions yeah so <laughs> they find oh this guy has an idea of climate change can you know so <laughs> <laughs> this is an idea of climate like but you've gone beyond where I expected you to be yeah so suddenly they realize oh the world certainly is, is a village mm. yeah so uh, i think there was a lot to learn from each other and uh, were there other africans yes um th- that that kibbutz particularly they i mean apart from the my my fellow trainees in israel mm. who were from kenya then Um we also had we also had people from Uganda and uh which was the other country. Um I think there was Liberia as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what did you learn from the Africans? Was uh, it their um, situation was their situation the same as ours? The I th- I think I think Kenya and particularly Nairobi has urbanized mm-hmm. a great deal. I think that's what I learned from them. They think Kenya Kenya looks like the industrial capital of Africa according mm-hmm. to their to them. Mm-hmm. Yet we don't see it ourselves. We don't yeah, we don't yes. appreciate it. Yes. They they think Kenya is some uh, you know, it's this advanced sophisticated uh country. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I I figured maybe that's the that's the image we sell to the rest of Africa. Mm, that's the main thing I learned from them. So even if And you, also importantly mm-hmm. um After interacting with them I realized Kenyans we are quite open minded. Mm-hmm. We are quite open minded. 
they most most people interacted with they came with certain perceptions yes they they had they they had uh, let me not call it some kind of closed mentality but mm. it looked something like that mm. yes so it's every day you they, it's like they were learning a lot from yes yeah. yes they were, they, were, they were learning a lot there was a lot to be learned but maybe that that is because maybe um Kenya's geographical location gives it an advantage and also the kind of allies we've made mm. um over time diplomatically speaking yeah, yeah. yeah i think our diplomacy is good yeah yes <laughs> i think because is it Kenya has i, I don't remember how what, what our internet access is yes. but Kenyans are always on like social media aha uh-huh. that's so they they they, yeah. they have a lot of knowledge exactly that's 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 where the open mindedness comes from mm. it's because of this kind of cross cultural education hosted online mm. yes and i think we have the is it the one of the fastest internet yeah, yeah. speeds in the world yeah. I, I, the last time the last time i saw that i think we were num- like number 25 Ah yeah but that's still high cuz I remember we were faster than Australia. Uh-huh. Yeah yeah now you see what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you uh, But I don't think many Australians know that. They don't. Uh, exactly. It's surprised until they meet yeah. a Kenyan now they realize yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like they yeah, you know this. Uh, yeah. So you stayed there for 11 months. So yeah. Was... So so I stayed for 11 months. Maybe I'll speak a little bit about my experiences there. Mm-hmm. Now um at the start of this conversation I had said that I was raised in Nandi County very green yeah, yeah, yeah. it's land flowing with milk and honey mm. and suddenly I found myself in a desert mm. um it's blooming but it's a desert mm. so the the kind of environment I was exposed to really awakened my inner creative self so I remember the first thing I did with my salary for the first month I thought the sunrises there were phenomenal they were different from what i had experienced before not to say that we don't have good uh, sceneries in kenya we have quite a lot yeah. uh, but the only thing i found there was the the difference mm-hmm. now i went bought a phone i'll not say what phone it was because <laughs> this is not an advertisement i'm not <laughs> i've not been paid to advertise <laughs> a good phone yeah so I, I i remember very well i i i i googled best camera phone 20 which year was that i think it was uh, 2017 2017 yeah huh? 2016 or 2017 around there 2017 yeah best camera phone 2017 i got the answer so the first answer i went to <laughs> the someone will go and google best <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know which one you bought <laughs> yeah so so I, then i went to a city called elat city it was close by uh bought that phone started snapping photos everything was interesting to me the birds were interesting mm-hmm. the the different changes in 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 climate no, no weather basically mm-hmm. um because you'd find the sunrises during summer time were different from uh winter time winter. sunrises mm-hmm. uh, so to speak it was just phenomenal so I was taking pictures and I decided why not remember Kenyans and social media mm. so I I I used to post these pictures on on Instagram and mm. Facebook then after a while I realized huh I can actually do something extra mm. so I started a hashtag called my arava story because I was telling my story the story of how yeah, I'm living in arava yeah, yeah. now remember before I left Kenya 
I oh this is a long story. Before I left Kenya, I I used to be a cyclist. Mm-hmm. So for people who know me, I I bought my first bike with the intention of um, of of spending less transport costs. Yeah. When moving from from place to place during the holidays to to actually uh you know the campus hustle when yeah, you're trying yeah. to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. So you I would move? I would I would ride from uh I think if people know the distance from Juja to Ongata Rongai. <laughs> Now from Ongata Rongai I would ride to um to some place almost near Kiserian where I would I would work and and some little money you know move from that point go to another place like that like so I basically got into uh, bought my first bicycle to to as a to, means of survival. Yeah, to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, once I was in Israel, I figured uh ah with these photos um and I got a lot of uh, positive feedback yeah. online. People were saying, "Wow, that place is beautiful." Um so I figured, why not um get a bicycle not to survive this time, but to show how I'm living yeah, here. Yeah. So I I I think a, b- a few months down the line I I went back to Elat City. Um you can look it up on 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 Google actually. Elat City is one of the It's actually next to the Red Sea. Mm. So our Bible stories tell us that, yeah, yeah. that I think the Israelites crossed. If, if you've read the Bible enough for five kupotea. Yeah. If you listen. Yes. Holy cross yeah Red Sea. So those those places I lived there Red Sea and all those places. So I got my bike and I would cycle every weekend when I'm not working. I would ride from the kibbutz to another location in in the Arava still in the desert taking photos telling stories about uh what's going on and what not so after some time i i some the a very important organization in Israel i think i mentioned it before concerning what they are doing on water management and what not um they literally discovered me online then um first of all i have to apologize i've not been able to i've not mentioned the institution where i was oh, yeah, i was yeah. studying in israel yeah. it's called the arava international center for agricultural training so i would spend um days working on the farm and then one day of the week i would we would go to to the campus icat uh, the the that institution and study basically get the theoretical side of things yes so uh moving on so the jewish national fund discovered me and you know they helped me publicize the my arava story mm. then suddenly i became a sensation in israel um channel 10 of israel they they made a documentary about my arava story for real yeah i, I became never famous seen this documentary <laughs> 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 you've, you've had it here first folks <laughs> yeah i think it had uh, that video had i think 60000 views yeah yeah so it's it was, on youtube Yeah, it's, it's so yeah, it's just, still there. Yeah, so people can just check my Arava. Yes, my Arava story. No, the my Arava story if you search it on 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 Instagram and Facebook you'll get all the photos I've ever taken in Israel. Mm-hmm. All the beautiful things, the desert. You'll also learn a few a few things about how agriculture is concerned is uh, conducted there. Um and specifically for that video you'll have to get it on through uh, a link on my on my Facebook so people can get it okay yeah as as they are going through my profile they'll stumble upon it for mm-hmm. sure yes so i became a, a, you know quite famous actually local celeb yeah i became some celebrity <laughs> yeah. um 
you know it was interesting for 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 the Israelis there because they just couldn't understand who is this guy riding across the desert i think on one weekend i would ride 200 kilometers 200 kilo 200 kilometers oh, in fact the only weekend was was sat- saturday which is sabbath mm-hmm. uh so, sabbath the there you can you're not supposed to no um you know it's, sunday in israel is a is a day like any other it's a weekday mm-hmm. banks open hospitals open and everything mm-hmm. So um the weekend there for me was only Saturday, Saturday. Uh, Sabbath, Shabbat. So that was the time I would ride. So you'd find uh on you know on a typical weekend Saturday for that matter I would you know uh, live with my bike. By the time I'm coming back to the kibbutz I've I've done 200 kilometers. You know, sometimes like more. A, a quarter of from east to west of Kenya. Uh, yeah, I really used <laughs> to. <quarter>. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. <laughs> So that's how it became people just couldn't get it. Um so they're just seeing this car, black guy riding. Yeah, there. riding. <laughs> you know you're driving I, I think um the reason why I used to feel safe riding there I think it's because of how I I would stand out. Mm. So think about it. You're you're riding in the middle of the desert then you just find this this Kenyan guy out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a cycle from Kenya. <laughs> So you don't know who the hell is this guy? Yeah. yeah. So people so, are stopping you and asking you. Actually I, I would get a lot of that. Yeah. Uh I remember on one hot afternoon mm. I was uh, I was riding up a very steep steep uh steep in, incline mm-hmm. basically. Then I I got to a, to the top of a of a of a let's say like it's called Mount Ait actually. Yeah. It's a, it's a mountain. It's not Uh, the typical mountain but it's it's called Mount Ait. Mm-hmm. So I got I got there and I was sweating profusely. It was 37 degrees centigrade outside. That's a, that's the body temperature of a person. No, the the environment. No, the, no, I'm the saying yeah, temperature. Because me shika. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so these couple were driving up and they found me and gave me a lot of water. Mm. Yeah, they thought I was crazy. Um I didn't mention that in summer it gets to 50 degrees centigrade 50 50 i can't imagine 50 unaona hiyo je watu watu nairobi wanalalamika wana i think ina kuanga 29 yeah hata ile time ya, ya equinox when you had the equinox yeah remember how hot it was that time yeah i think it was 29 30 hata zani nilifika 30 something then you fika 37 i don't think it gets to maybe maybe uko turkana yeah maybe turkana hata inazafika 40 but But uh, there it would get even up to 50. 50. Crazy hot. And you're out here cycling. Yeah, and I was out there cycling. So I was uh, that's how I became a sensation. Now, um, after that, after the end of my training, I came back to to Kenya. And now the question was what next? Yeah. Because now yeah. we had saved money from working there. Yeah. We had this inspiration to do to make a difference in Kenya and in Africa. So the question really was about uh, how can we do this and when you're saying we you and ah yeah. good question so the the time we were we were going to train in Israel we were 102 young Kenyans mm-hmm. so um coming back remember that we were drawn from dif- different parts, parts of, of, Kenya. of Kenya yeah so everyone would land in Kenya and start doing whatever they have to do everyone uh, you know goes back to their counties and mm-hmm. tries uh, whatever they had planned to do so i partnered with uh, two other two other colleagues from the arava 
and started now Ken Arava group mm-hmm. yes so Ken Ken Arava um, Ken the the first part Ken is Kenya not Kenneth <laughs> yeah I was thinking you, you call it Ken Kenneth yeah. and your friends are like you're okay with that <laughs> I don't think there would anyone who would be okay with that <laughs> yes so the my other colleagues is Ronald and Yvonne mm-hmm. um Yvonne is actually back in Israel right now uh, completing her masters mm-hmm. uh, she's back in Israel doing a masters in crop science so we are with Ronald here in Kenya so yeah Ken is from Kenya Arava is from the Arava where we were mm-hmm. yes so uh, that goes to show that that experience gave us a lot of inspiration and wanted to maintain that emotional connection that we had established with um, not only the Arava but the state of Israel mm. yes So we came and started that agribusiness consulting company and I think later you're going to ask me what we do which I'll yeah, gladly yeah. tell you. Yeah, yeah, you can just go and <laughs> <if you don't. laughs> Yes. So um Kenarava we are an agribusiness consulting company mm-hmm. uh, working in different parts of the country. Now importantly we are we are a for profit organization. Mm-hmm. We are here to make money but uh create social impact. So we are we are a for profit Uh, organization with a social impact perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. so our activities uh, um uh, range but our main our main uh, activities are number one agribusiness advisory which is basically advising farmers providing uh, extension services to farmers i i think by now you're definitely aware that we have a problem when it comes yeah, to yeah, agricultural yeah. extension yeah. yeah there's much that needs to be done So we are these uh, young people that have decided that hey uh, this is an issue that that's that's uh, prevailing and we have to do something about it. So we provide agribusiness uh, consulting services to to farmers and um, and organizations. Uh, the other thing we do is um, is training. Mm-hmm. Now, these trainings agribusiness trainings uh, so to speak are divided into on-farm and off-farm trainings. So in terms of on farm trainings uh we we usually organize field days where farmers meet at a specific uh, model farm which we, um, and these farms are, are, are across different parts of Kenya then they would learn about how to farm sustainably and profitably then uh, regarding the off farm uh, trainings we we do this at uh, in our office mostly in here in Nairobi and and that focuses on how to integrate technology in agribusiness and farm management practices and and what have we the other thing we also do is agribusiness events so um this includes stakeholder meetings workshops and most notably the annual Kenarava agribusiness dinner in fact um every year we've 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 hosted this this particular event in 2017 um that was when we did the first event we were discussing how to harness um uh, no, not how to harness uh, really but 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 how to actualize the fact that agribusiness is the next frontier of job creation investment and development so we we hosted it at the ducd2 and we had the pleasure of having the then israeli ambassador to kenya being keynote speaker we invited several people from government private sector farmers young people intending to get into agribusiness and what not um for 2018 we partnered with an organization called agriprofocus kenya it's a dutch outfit 
um, and hosted the National Youth in Agribusiness Forum, the Safari Park Hotel. So it was the same thing, but uh, scaled up. You see, in 2017, we hosted, I think, about 135 guests. Now, uh, the National Youth in Agribusiness Forum brought in banks um, and even more uh, farmers. And we had around three people, 300, sorry, 300 people. Um, in 2019, I don't know when this conversation is going to go online, but... Probably next week. Okay, uh, good good one. Um, we are going to host the the uh, the third edition of the Kenya Rabagri Business Dinner. We'll do it right here at the Villa Rosa Kempinski. Mm-hmm. Good food. But most importantly, we'll be focusing on the theme, harnessing alternative financial models for food and agriculture transformation. Mm-hmm. So we have... First of all, we are hosting it in partnership with, uh, basically, when I talk about the host, Kenya Rava and an organization called iAgribiz Africa, which is a partner model firm that we've been working with for a long time. It is actually owned by, by a young person like us. Um, but this event basically has brought in even uh, bigger players. We have the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations, being uh, the main partner in the event. We have Yara International. I think um, people who understand fertilizers know know them uh, very well. We also have RTI, which is uh, an organization that, that, that implements projects for USAID. Yes, and we also, of course, we have the, the Embassy of Israel. <laughs> so we'll have the pleasure of having the, the current Israeli ambassador to Kenya opening the event. Mm. Yes. Nice you said uh, alternative? Uh, harnessing alternative Al- financial models for food and agriculture transformation. Okay. What are okay. or that you ah. ha- you'll have to Ah very that's a very good uh, yeah. good question. Now uh, we realized you see in 2017 um the the uh, the, the big question was how do we get um agribusiness to work for the youth and women. So over time, we've realized that one of the biggest issues that we've had is, um, is, 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 is finance in agriculture. You see, most banks consider farm, farming or farmers to be high-risk individuals to deal with because farming is, is you know, it poses great uh, risk. Now, we, we realize that we have other ways to work around, um, you know, agribusiness financing through, for example, using models like contract farming, where um, I'll pick the example of EABL. We hope to to have them at the dinner also um, as one of the panelists. So uh, an organization like like that would, would uh, invest in a farmer, ensure that they produce uh, the raw material that they would need to produce their products and guide them through the whole the whole process and provide them, basically provide them with the funds that's one side the other thing we're also looking at is um, is you know mobile loans and those kind of things how farmers can access these kind of uh, financial services so we call them alternative because for a long time they've not been operating in the agribusiness space yeah the other one uh, we're also looking at is the blockchain so um I think blockchain is the next big thing in financing. In fin- it's fintech, basically. So we'll also have some of the panelists discussing that. 
and how it can be it can work can for Kenyans. Yes. So especially for the dinner is there like a, is it an entrance fee something? Now here here's the thing Be- because of the various partners that that came on board and considering that we want this event to appeal to the youth basically we want to see mostly the young people coming there to learn and to also collaborate and network um is we decided to waive the entrance fee so we are only charging uh, corporate organizations that are coming on board but uh, entrance is free unfortunately um you know the the owing to how the dinner has been has been happening for the past you know from 2017 yeah it is let me say it sells like hotcake so i think we've we've sold out every slot oh so there's no yeah, even right now, now unfortunately no yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyone who wants it okay so anyone who wants it either has to wait for next year yes but do you, do you guys see you don't record or anything where someone ah, can get there na- now this year we intend <laughs> to even host it on facebook facebook live oh, okay so people can access that through our, our website of course you go to www.kenarava.com okay. importantly uh since we are bringing also county governments uh to the to the event we also want to convince them um to enable us take it to the counties where the farmers are mm-hmm. they don't have to come to nairobi we'll go to them mm. yes so next year 2020 is going to be an interesting year because uh, this event i think will be doing this kind of workshops and trainings kwa mashinani huko ndani where we have the or we can even work with zidi yeah exactly that's <laughs> yeah. what we are talking about yeah yeah even zidi we hope to be seeing you at the dinner <laughs> yes yes so, so that you can be able to you know uh, get the different perspectives and people can learn so maybe the final two questions i may ask is yes what have been the challenges so far yes and what are your plans like featured maybe five year ten year plans ah. yeah, yeah so challenges um this will sound like cliche but in kenya if you're young or if you're a woman you have to work thrice as hard to you know uh, to be hard to be taken seriously So the biggest challenge is uh, starting out it was hard to you know stamp stamp our importance in the agribusiness um, industry because we were seen as young inexperienced and what not so we had a lot of proving to do so getting um, partnerships whenever we needed was the main problem of course the other thing also that um, that 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 we saw as a challenge was scaling up scaling up was not easy you know moving from where we were to the next level yes so that's a challenge that we've managed to to solve and we see 2020 being um, a very promising year Mm-mm, nice yes so plans for the future um, yeah. so Kenya Rava group operates in Kenya but we we are looking to to take our services across Africa and you know um, to the entire world So um uh, let me say the the main inspiration is we got is from a, a recent job we did we actually hosted the United Nations entity for for um gender equality and empowerment of women UN women mm-hmm. Ethiopia country office in Kenya yeah. now the interesting yeah I, i i thought you'd have that reaction yeah. <laughs> so um here is the thing you see african countries are not communicating enough 
So the Ethiopians felt that um, they had a lot to learn from Kenya uh, concerning how we operate. And also we were, so they, we did a three day training for them, exposing them to youth and women led enterprises, how they operate and specifically, um, you know, concerning different different forms of farming like aquaponics, um, basically climate smart agriculture. So um, from then we realized, we learned a lot from them. The way we, we do our agribusiness in Kenya is very different from how Ethiopia does. So because of that kind of interaction, we even became more convinced that we need to to expand to the rest of Africa. Mm. Yes. It's like, is it, is it, I forgot the name, Kahu. Cross-cultural no, education. The, the, the place you are, you are at, you're staying a kibbutz. Yes. Like a, a, a so we'll African have, kibbutz. Uh, yeah, Africa can become a little kibbutz. kibbutz People yeah. are communicating, people yeah, yeah. are marketing mm. uh, produce collectively and yeah, whatnot. It would be fat if you, after you expand to that, then like yes. the way you had those dinners in kibbutz, you have an African dinner. Right? Yes. You see what's been going on. In fact, year. I've just remembered when we hosted the UN women, when we trained the UN uh, women delegation here and they came they came with uh, with also some some researchers ethiopian government officials and entrepreneurs in agribusiness mm-hmm. so they told us ah you guys need to come and train us in ethiopia mm-hmm. so uh, we figured ah interesting yeah yes so i think for speaking for posterity what how we see the future we we are definitely um, eager to expand to the rest of africa mm-hmm. and basically to interconnect all these links for the betterment of our people and our land. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is um, one word for anyone who wants to get a young person who wants to get into agriculture, stuff like that. What may you say to them? Um, first of all, before before I tackle that question, I think I forgot to mention that uh, after after I, I I came back to you know after the training in Israel for eleven months. We came back to Kenya, started Kenya Rava Group. Then after one year, I was recalled back to Israel for another 11 months to be leader and mentor for the third cohort of Kenyan students, which was, uh, there were 118 um, young Kenyans. So from from that experience, I was able to, to uh, you know, improve my, my leadership skills. And um, importantly, we, I also envisioned that once these people are back in Kenya, they would, they would uh, work with Kenya Rava in one way or another. So they are back in Kenya and they are doing amazing stuff. Now, also tied to that, I was admitted to the, uh, I was basically, you know, I was basically asked to sit in the training and development uh, committee, subcommittee of the JNF Joint Institute uh, for global food, water, and energy security, which is a $10 million initiative that seeks to empower um, African African communities using Israeli agri-tech. Mm. So here again I was, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the interesting thing, it started with the bicycle and, yeah. The, yeah. and the taking it's photos like, of the farms yeah. and whatnot. Yes. So for young people who want to to venture into agribusiness and, and that kind of thing, they need to realize that there is opportunities everywhere. I think, let me say my breakthrough came from my Arava story, you know, uh, because I was able to learn more than I, I, I intended to 
due to the interactions I had um, with various farms, yeah, yeah. different kibbutzim, riding to those places, taking photos and whatnot. Now, importantly, um, uh, young people need to realize that in agribusiness, production is not the only thing. In fact, in agribusiness, we have seven elements. And um, in terms of proportion, in fact, for young people who want to make money, um, let me not say there is no money in production, but in terms of percentage, in Kenya, I think we all know that processors make the most money, value addition. Yeah. So um, for people who want to get into agribusiness, they need to, to realize that there are different points of the value chain where they can get into based on their interest, their talent, and um, their aspirations. So um, there is so much that can be done. And even when you look at Kenya, even um, extension, agricultural extension, it's still there's still not enough being done yeah. as far as that in, is concerned. So we need more educators in, in agriculture. We need more value uh, people in value addition. Mm. We also need more people in marketing. And we also need more people in research. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so like... And they have to start somewhere. The excuse that Akuna Capital, that's an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So let's just, just position yourself in places and stuff always works out. Yes. I, I think that many of, I don't have capital is a very lame excuse. It's very yeah. lame, believe me. Because even um, the first time we came to Kenya and started Kenya Rava Group, we didn't come with millions of shillings. Yeah. But we came, first of all, with the passion and we had a product we could sell the product being the service we had so um if you combine and those are the problem was clear the, yeah, yeah the problem was clear there was a, there was a problem mm-hmm. so um the the idea here is to actually uh, combine your your passion product and have very good branding so with the branding you are able to get partners yeah so i'll give you an example if if kenarava wants to do project a and we don't have the money we'll know how to connect uh, stakeholder D and stakeholder F yeah. to the project. And we can be able to benefit from the same thing. Yes. It's uh, the thing of um, opportunity meets preparedness. Exactly. Yeah, if you if you position yourself and people can see you like this, you're ready. Yes. Yeah, there's someone who's out there looking for, maybe I need someone who can train certain farmers, nini, nini. And if you're just a, a young person and you already have that like company, like you say, well branded and everything, yes. they're most likely going to go with you. Yeah, and then and then I think uh, the thing that's plaguing the youth ni pesa kutaka pesa rak. Na pia natakanga pesa nyo anaona. So instead of seeing money as a reward for the the problems you're solving for society. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I think um, that's mostly it. I think we've talked for long. I think that's. I don't know if it's more than an hour. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe the last thing is just give people links how to connect with you. All yes. those things. Yeah. Social media, business, everything you just want. Anywhere people can contact you. This is your. Point. Um, I think first of all, if you if you visit kenarava.com. Kenarava is just the way the way the, the way I've pronounced it. Um, Kenarava.com, you'll 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 definitely find find a page about us. So from there, you are able to find um, our links to 
first of all my social media pages and you're able to find my email address feel free to to keep to get in touch and let's share information so of course on on facebook you'll find me as kenneth chepkon kiplangat I think we have we outgrew those nicknames we used to call ourselves. Yeah yeah yeah. Just the part can you can cherry pepper. Yeah yeah. Actually my my Facebook used to be can cherry pepper. I don't know why I got that thing wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so if if you if you I think in fact if you google my Arava story Mm-hmm. you'll find me everywhere, everywhere yeah. yes you'll find the blogs blogs sorry blogs mm-hmm. that um, jewish national fund have written about my arava story you'll find the the various photos that i've shared online you'll be also be able to find links to my instagram and facebook mm-hmm. yes my arava story yeah. it's a hashtag hashtag, <laughs> hashtag my, arava my arava story, story. yeah Yeah so ladies and gentlemen like you've heard um hashtag #bearava story you can check him out <laughs> yeah. he's Ken from Kenya Kenarava is Kenneth not from Kenya. Ken- Kenneth from Kenya yes. Kenarava is not Ken it's it's not Kenya. Kenneth it's Kenya yes. yeah um so like you've heard we've had so many tech guys on the podcast but now you can hear it's not only tech that um it's not only tech that the youth can uh, make money or um empower themselves uh, women as well there are so many other ways and you can see there are young people who are doing a lot especially in the side of agriculture which is one of um the biggest provider in our economy so yes. uh, don't shy away don't um sit down saying there are no jobs uh agriculture is a viable side for you to go like you had we need researchers we need trainers uh we need people to take uh, agriculture as a business and think yes. of it as any other business which you can make money from And this has been Kevin Kabingu from ZD and until next time peace out. This week's episode has come to an end, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, suggestions or feedback, head over right now to Twitter and Facebook and like and share, comment, get involved, let us know what you think, what you want to learn next and join us next time.